Would you say this with me? Stand firm, hold fast. Say that one more time. Stand firm, hold fast. Stand firm, hold fast. This is what we're talking about probably for the next five, uh, maybe more than that, seven, eight weeks, uh, probably about two months. We're going through second, <laughs> second Thessalonians. So if you remember in the spring, we went through first Thessalonians. Now we're in second Thessalonians. If you have your Bible, smartphone, tablets, uh, maybe you have it memorized, whatever you got, pull it out. We're going to read from the word of God. Again, if you're looking to find out where it is in the Bible, it's right after First Thessalonians. Right before Third Thessalonians. Just joking, there's no Third Thessalonians. Before I get any emails of, of heresy, you'd be surprised. <laughs> All right, Second Thessalonians. Verse 1 through 4. To the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone here when I gave a message just on grace and peace? We were going through a book in the Bible and, and it was grace and peace and that's how far I got on the first sermon. And everyone was just terrified that this was going to be like the 10-year sermon through Ephesians. But we're actually going to do better than that this time. So grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, to you, sisters, as is right. Because, see, your faith, your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another, it is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness. We boast for your faith in all your persecutions and the afflictions that you're enduring. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, your word is so beautiful to me today. Even as I was reading just the power of your word, it, it, it just does something to me. It, it cuts my heart and... It speaks uh, into the depths uh, of me as a human being, as a created one. I pray that over your word today, that it would speak deeper, deeper. It would speak deeper than social media. It would speak deeper than cable news. It would speak deeper, Lord, and then the things that we hear on a... Your word would be supernatural today. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In your name we pray. Amen. And even here, you, you see it in this verse. They're, they're facing some hardships. They're facing some affliction. And I love the heart of Paul. I'm so amazed by Paul because he shows a care. He shows a concern for these believers. He comes in with such encouragement. Do you see that? I mean, just look at how the letter starts off. He says, we give thanks to God for you. And you can just keep that up for a little bit. We give thanks to God for you. That's well enough. But then Paul, he doesn't just blindly thank God for them. He's, he's really, by the way, just, you'll, you'll see this today, I think. He is so good at encouragement. He actually gives them specific reasons why he's thankful to God for them. What does he say? He goes, I'm thankful to God because what? Your faith is growing. How much is it growing, he says? Abundantly. And then also he mentions faith, but also there starts with an L. Everyone say it. Say it again. 
love. Yeah, he says, no, I see your faith. Your faith is growing abundantly. I'm so thankful to God for you and for your faith that's growing abundantly. But I'm also thankful for the love that I see that you are giving to one another that is increasing. Isn't it nice? Just think about this. Isn't it nice when someone catches you off guard with an encouragement that's kind of specific, like the encouragement that Paul is giving to the Thessalonians? Isn't it just a tad bit nice? Right? I mean, if I say to Mary, like, Mary, I'm just so thankful to God for you. That's good. I mean, two points for me, I think. Uh, not too bad. And what would she say? She'd be like, oh, babe. She doesn't call me. She'd be like, oh, Dan, I'm thankful for you too. And it would be special. I mean, I think, I think that's totally permissible. I think it's fine. I think we should say, yeah, you know, I thank God for you in my life. But what if I came to Mary and I was like, I just thank you for the grace you show me. Because I think about that idiotic thing that I said to you on Friday in the way that you didn't hold that against me Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and yet you forgave me. So just thank you so much for that. I also want to just thank you. You know, you were at this leader, women's leadership thing on Friday and Saturday. You didn't have time to do that. And yet there you were uh, going for it. I just thank God for you because um, often you wake up before I do because you get Trevin up uh, at oh dark 30. And I just thank you for that. But even then when I get up and I catch you on the couch reading your Bible because you just absolutely adore and love the Lord, I'm so thankful for you. Three points. Yeah. And church, are you a little bit thankful for Mary too? Come on. Come on. It just takes it to another level. It reminds me of the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. Again, we covered it last spring. I promise I won't read all of 1 Thessalonians. But at the very beginning, listen, it's going to sound familiar. He says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before God and our Father. And here he goes. Specific. He goes, you know what? I'm thankful. Remembering your work of faith. Your labor of love. And your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, look what he's saying. He's saying, I don't just thank God for you, but I thank God for you. Why? Because of your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope. A specific way of speaking to the Thessalonians. And isn't it, again, church, did you see that? Can you imagine that would just be a little bit encouraging? Especially, again, if we can get historical, put it back in context. Remember what these Thessalonians, these new believers, these new converts in Christ, remember what they're facing. They're facing tribulation. They're facing affliction. Don't you think that was exactly when they needed a little bit of encouragement and how they're living in the midst of people wanting to kill them? Encouragement, specific encouragement, could go just a little bit a ways with someone that's suffering for Christ. I think there's something that we can all learn from that today of how we encourage one another. We had a worship team Meeting. I don't think she's here uh, today at the service, but uh, we had a worship team meeting on Tuesday night. And Sam Freiberg, one of our singers, and she said this. She said, Pastor Dan, I think it's important that we as members compliment other team members. So within the worship team that we compliment each other, encourage one another. And I think that would be true for any team that you're a part of. I think about the ministry fair and the possibilities of different things you could sign up for. But whether it's children's or nursery or first impressions or a team, maybe it's not even in this church, a team you're a part of in work or your team that we call family. Uh, it would be so good if we began to encourage each other with specifics. Right? So not just, hey, good job, but like, hey, Scott, that 
bass part was awesome. Like, Alan, your tom work on the drums, it was so good. Thank you. The way you did two and four, and we practiced this before, two and four, and then you did four on the floor. Thank you. That was really good. It's encouraging. Now, in matters of faith, in your walk with Jesus, when you're encouraged in a specific way, it does something on the inside of you. Have you ever noticed that? When someone encourages you in a specific way. In fact, this happened to me even after I'd written this sermon. Kyla, I, I'm, I'm uh, teaching again, a uh, Gospels class over at Northwest Church on Thursday nights. And I'm sitting over there working on it around 5.30. And Kyla calls me and she says, hey, you're on speakerphone. You're with Bree and Colby. And uh, we just wanted to pray for you. And one by one, they prayed. And they didn't just say, like, you know, good luck, Pastor Dan. No, they, they talked about different issues, um, just highlighting and encouraging me in different areas of integrity and character and, and who I am. And just, and just do, you, do you know what, it, by the time a man happened, like, watch out if you are in that class. Because I am coming in just full of fire. It was awesome, church. Awesome. Catherine C., this uh, month, uh, have you ever had Catherine C. say, say something to you? She, she comes in and she's like, Dan, I just noticed a change in you. I've noticed that you're growing in the Lord. Do you know how that made me feel? From, especially with, from Catherine C. That made me feel like a million bucks. By the way, do you know where Catherine is right now? She's in Salem, Oregon, praying over the capital of the state of Oregon. Praise the Lord. Lord, just be with Catherine right now and give her your words and your fire and just move in that state. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. But she made me feel so good. Why? Because I do believe the Lord has been doing something in me. And doesn't it feel good when somebody else recognizes the good work that Jesus is doing in you? Can you imagine? Right? It's good. Specific things. Encourage one another. Specific things. I kind of feel, as we think about LifeSpring, as I think about moving forward, and and, and you know how like each church has a DNA, it has a culture, it has something that kind of makes up a church. Wouldn't it be something if part of our DNA, right, if you dug down deep and got to the heart of LifeSpring, wouldn't it be something if our DNA was that we were really good at encouraging one another? I think we're on the way, but I don't think we're there yet. But isn't it exciting to think about what that could look like? So let's work on it. Can we do that? 8.30 service? Inaugural 8.30 service? Like there's never been 8.30 before? Like how cool is this? But could we work on that just a little bit? Maybe ask the Lord, open up our hearts, say, God, just would you give us eyes to see Hearts to fill, just to to be aware and recognize the good work that is happening in other people. I want to say this over to you as well, and that we wouldn't be jealous of it, or envious, or compare, or put down, or or avoid. But as we see the good work that you're doing in other people's lives, we'd be thankful. We'd thank you, Lord. For the good work that you are doing in other people. But not only that. Lord, would you give us the boldness. Would you give us the love to actually use our words to specifically speak encouragement into those areas. Amen? Come on. By the way, there's a little asterisk. (laughs) I've been alive long enough to know that people probably won't actually come up to you and encourage you in this way. 
I'll say that again. I've been alive long enough that people probably aren't going to come up to you and encourage you in this kind of way. They're probably not. I hate to be the Debbie Downer in all this, but in the real world, have you noticed this just doesn't happen very much? In fact, some of you were like so darn jealous when I told you about the two experiences I've had in the last couple of weeks. You're probably sitting there with your arms folded right now. I promise I'm not looking, but your arms are probably folded thinking, well, that's never happened to me. I mean, I'm a pastor. I hang out with you guys. You're like, man, it's a long time since anybody has come up and encouraged me. Well, if that's you, and there are some of you that probably feel that way, it's, and it's probably how it's been for you. You probably struggled maybe with a spouse that never said anything kind to you or kids that never uh, thanked you for any of the things you'd done or whatever the situation is. I, I get that. You've probably been through some hard things. But if that's you... I just say this. Well, first, let's get this out of the way. No excuses. Do hard things. No pity parties. That's one of my favorite things in the world. Do hard things. No excuses. No pity parties. But the second is this. Just be like the Apostle Paul. Read your Bible. You have plenty of examples in your Bible. Read the Apostle Paul. Instead of you waiting for someone else to come up and encourage you, how about you be the one to encourage somebody else? Church, why don't we be the ones that get this thing started? Uh, you know, uh, I didn't start the fire, right? We already got the fire of the Holy Spirit. Let's just catch that fire and be the ones to fan the flame. Come on, let's just get it going. Like, get it going. If that's the kind of culture, if that's when you dig down to the deeps of, depths of life spring and this is our DNA, if that's what we want, then let's use our words, be bold in our love and our faith and encourage one another. If that's what we want. If we want to be treated, like, think about it. Like, uh, my mom always said, treat others how you want to be treated. Treat others how you want to be treated. What does that mean? If you want to be encouraged, what should you be doing to other people? You should be encouraging them. If you know how much, just think about it. Like you're like, I know how much it would feel. I know what it would mean to my soul if another person would encourage me in a specific way. If they would actually see what I'm doing there, see what God is doing in me. If you know that about yourself, then be bold enough to start the fire. Get it going. Speak the word. Be bold and encourage another person. Not just that fluffy like... You're a wonderful person, but I see you. Praise the Lord for you. So rise up in faith, church. Let's activate our faith. Go out. Encourage the people around you. Encourage the people around you. Speak in specific areas. I remember uh, in high school, high school I played basketball, and anytime we did something good on the court, the coach would be like, I see you, Bursch. I see you, Dre. Like, when was the last time you were walking around here? Like, I see you. I see you, Donna and Carson. I see you, Kent. I see you, Mayor. I see you. Yeah. Woo. I see you. I'm so thankful for you. The joy you bring into the room, the way you serve others, the way you talk to strangers, the way you send me cards in the mail, the way that you go out of your way to express the love of Christ to me and to others. I see you. I thank God for you. So church, come on, can we do this? I, I, think, I think there's a word today for us to rise up and to begin to encourage one another in this way. All right, so that's looking at that verse from the perspective of Paul. Paul the encourager, right? Paul just comes in with this specific encouragement. But now I want to look at the same verse, but this time I want to look at it from the perspective of those people in Thessalonica, right? These Thessalonians. Because this is so important. The reason Paul is able to get so specific in his encouragement, in his encouragement is because these believers in Thessalonica 
they're actually doing some stuff, right? They're doing some. I, I was thinking about it this week. I was like, I'd want to hang out with the Thessalonians. Have you ever hung out with someone who's uh, kind of growing abundantly in faith and increasing in love? That is exactly the person you want to go have coffee with at Starbucks. Like, yeah, come on, Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica, come hang out with me. Those are the people that you want to be with. And so when you encourage them, you're actually encouraging them in specific ways because of specific things they're doing. Have you ever had to try to compliment someone who really wasn't doing very much? Please don't name names. That would be really awkward. But, right, you know, like the person isn't walking in faith and they aren't growing in love and you just kind of like and i'm not going to look at anyone because uh, that would be really embarrassing but let's say there's a person right here and i just said wow like you're just you're such a good breather <laughs> just the way you breathe in <laughs> and then out <laughs> So so good at the breathing. Just <laughs> oh yeah, and the blinking that you do—just how you get both eyes to do it at the same time—and just this amazing. <laughs> no, no, Paul did not have to compliment them on their breathing or their winking. No, there's there's a good, powerful, transforming work that is happening in them. Right, their faith is growing, their love is increasing. Church, could that be said of us? that's not for the person to your left or to your right, but just think about your life. Take inventory. Can that be said of you? And we talk about this a lot. I don't think I could talk about it enough. At LifeSpring, Christianity is not a religion where you just kind of take Jesus, tack on Jesus, put him in your back pocket, and remain the same. If you have Jesus, if you're walking with Jesus, you cannot remain the same. Expect to grow in faith. Expect to increase in love. I've seen this played out in my own life. I, I know you too, uh, you have too. Like, think about faith, just the issue of faith. Think about where you are now. Think about where you were 10 years ago in the area of faith. I have faith, I mean, right? I have faith right now for things that I never would have had faith for 10 years ago. I mean, I think about uh, the faith that I have for healing, the faith I have for healing disease. I, I think the faith I have for the prophetic move of God and the faith I have for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit more than I ever have before. In the past 10 years, anyone uh, think about the fruit of the Spirit? Where you are now compared to where you were 10 years ago. I have grown. You have grown in the areas of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and whatever other ones are in the list. Like, you have grown. I've grown. A great barometer on that is just ask your spouse. They'll tell you. And I'm not perfect, but Mary would be like, yeah, absolutely you've grown. But that's also the growth that you see in these believers in Thessalonica. Again, if we went around the room, those of us who are in Christ, we could tell these stories. The journey of faith is a journey of transformation and growth. But if you aren't growing, you're probably not walking with the Lord. I don't care what you call yourself on the senses. I don't care what box you check for religion. It doesn't matter. If you're not growing, then you're probably not walking with Jesus. That's what he does. If he's in you, he makes you more like him. Right? Like, let's just make sure that no one has to compliment us on our breathing. Let's give him some stuff, right? Let's give him some stuff. If you want to grow in your faith and love, walk with Jesus.
just like those Christians in Thessalonica. Transformation, growth, it's what happens to anyone that has the Holy Spirit in them. I could read so many different scriptures on this topic, and for those of you that don't believe me, um, I'll just choose one here. This is from Ephesians. Great chapter, chapter 4. But as I read, I just want you to pay attention. I'm helping you out. I highlighted some of these words, but just pay attention to these, this verbiage, these words that point to growth, that point to transformation. This is what Paul says, chapter 4. And he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everyone say, grow up. Jeez, don't be so harsh. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. That was kind of funny. That was like a joke. I never tell those kind of jokes, but that was funny. All right. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Church, you don't stay the same. In Christ, you don't stay the same. And that passage it even tells you it's incredible. Not only do we individually grow, but we also collectively grow as the body of Christ. So this is the growth that Paul saw in the Thessalonians. But church, I want to say this over you. This summer, come on, what a summer we had. This is the growth that I saw in you. This is the growth I saw in you. I don't always do a good job of communicating what I see God doing, but the past few months, there's just been a noticeable growth in this body. A faith has risen up. It's interesting. You know, I, I get emails. And just because you get an email, who knows what's in the email. But I've been getting those emails that pastors just die for. I mean, just if only I get one in a year. I, I've been getting email after email of transformation and growth that is happening in your lives. I can confidently say that there is a faith that is growing abundantly. Abundantly. That there is a love for one another that is increasing, increasing more and more and more. And it's not because, by the way, because your life is all rainbows, butterflies, and puppies. I mean, the reality is some of you, again, even in these emails where you just celebrate what God is doing in you, in the same email you talk about these awful illnesses, these sicknesses, these cancers that you guys have, loss of housing, loss of employment, conflict with bosses and families and neighbors, some of you struggling with that inner conflict within your own self. I mean, you have some trials and hardships but in the midst of it all there is this faith that is growing there's a love that is increasing and this faith and love in the midst of hardships it reminds me of the next verse you can put the next verse up this is what he says therefore we ourselves boast about you in all the churches of god for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. See this side of the Thessalonians? Yeah, Paul comes in. He's a good encourager. Praise the Lord for an encourager. But do you see again what he's encouraging? He's encouraging something. He is not making up his encouragement. He is seeing something in this body of Christ that is real and tangible, a faith and a love. And now what does he say? He says, I also see in you a steadfastness and a faith. Yeah, 
You got serious opposition. Yeah, you are suffering. But in the midst of it all, I see steadfastness, faith. In fact, church, can you imagine him saying, Church Thessalonica, I want you to know I've been bragging to everybody about you. I've been talking to all the churches about the believers in Thessalonica. That word steadfastness, I've talked about this a couple of times. If you've been at uh, Lifespring for the last few years, I just love the word. Some of the translations might say patience, but the word is to stand under, to stay under, to stand under, to be steadfast. I love that word because it's to stay where you are even when it gets hard. How many times when things get tough, how many times when the pressure starts rising, are we tempted to do whatever we can to get from out from it all, right? To get out from under it all. How often do we try to remove ourselves from the difficulties, remove ourselves from the hardships, and yet as a Christ follower, he or she, by the power of God within them, they are able to stay under, to stay patient. I am on the rock, Christ Jesus. You shall not move me. Even when all else is said and done, I shall stand. I am steadfast in the Lord. Because remember, in Thessalonica, something special is happening. There's a special move of God. Don't you know when a special move of God happens, you know what else happens? The opposition of the enemy rises up at the same time. Have you ever noticed that? Anytime there's this great move of God, even in the history of America, I don't have time to go into it, but every time you see a great revival, don't you also see the enemy just begin to work in overtime? And that's what happens. Here are these people, a great move of God, and, and these people come in and say, no, nah, not in my town. Right? They run Paul out of the place. Not in my town. Don't you know there must have been a temptation of these new believers, these early con- converts, for them to just abandon it all? Like, what? Like, this is just too much. It's too risky. It's too dangerous. It's time to get out. You ever feel that way? Yeah. You bet. I've noticed that sometimes this is exactly what comes up and rises up in our flesh. And it's a fear, isn't it? A, a fear. I, in my own life, just that fear begins to rise up. And then you're like, oh, maybe, 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 you know. Ah. In your marriage or in your kids or in your job or in your neighborhood or whatever the thing is. Oh, maybe, maybe. But no, they remain steadfast in the midst, by the way, of their trouble. It's not like their trouble went away. In the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the persecution and the affliction, they stayed under. They remained steadfast. A great question for each one of us, church, is when you look at your life and when others look at your life, in those times, when times get hard, do the people around you see a steadfastness in you? Do they see a patient enduring in you? You know, it's funny, but sometimes in those times of pressure, we get into this mode, and, and you've heard it before, you've probably acted out this way before, but the trial comes and then we go, Oh, my life is so hard. You don't know what I'm going through. Have you ever done that? I, I'm so good at that. It's so hard. And they're like, well, Pastor Dan, like, you know, no, you don't know. You just don't know. It's so hard. It's so tough. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, the other person doesn't know what you're going through uh, when you're suffering. But I'd encourage you, again, read the Bible. Read your Bible. When you read the Bible, you will discover an important truth about following Christ. First of all, you are not the first person to suffer for Christ. And two, you're not going to be the last. You're not going to be the last. Again, this is a terrible way to grow a church. 
that preach on suffering. Come to our church. We talk about suffering. Woohoo! For free. <laughs> Listen to Peter. Peter. Peter understood suffering, by the way. And the people he was they were in the midst of intense suffering. But look what he says to them. He says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Right? Don't be surprised as if it would be strange. Like, well, where did this come from? But no, he says, rejoice. <laughs> you ever read that? Like, well, that's a little far, Peter. Like, I might endure, but I don't know if I'm going to rejoice. But no, he says, rejoice. Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So that's really good news, by the way, church. That, that's a powerful uh, verse. Because he says, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why does he say you're blessed? Because the Spirit of glory, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God rests upon you. You're blessed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, that means you actually have Christ in you. Praise the Lord, right? If someone's all grumpy about you and giving you a bad time, you're blessed because that means you're actually a Christian. You actually have the divine presence of God in you. Hallelujah. Rejoice. But I remember, I, I didn't really start reading my Bible uh, intensely and consistently until I was in college. I remember the first time I read this passage in college and that passage, that specific passage was so encouraging to me because growing up, I grew up in the church. I had heard hundreds and hundreds of sermons, but it kind of felt like the pastors avoided the whole trial and suffering part of Christianity. And so when I was facing my own trials and suffering, which I did in college, I did think it was strange. And I thought, maybe you've thought this before, kind of like, God, first, where are you? Two, why would you let this happen? Three, how could a good God let bad things happen to me, to one of your kids? See, I, I never truly understood that if you walk with Jesus, you will walk through trials. But then you read the Bible, and I got to this passage, and I was just like, thank you. It gave me hope. It encouraged me. On a side note, another asterisk today, just do not hide the truth of God's Word to the people around you. How often do we hide certain things from Scripture because we don't think the people around us can handle it? When all we're feeding people is service-level, sugar-coated, doggy treats of Scripture, I'm just telling you, when real trials come, when real storms come, which they will, when you're just giving them Fruit Loops instead of oatmeal, Come on, you're setting people up for a fall. You are. You're setting people up for a fall. This is one of the crimes of American Christianity. Is we just give the surface level stuff again and again. And so when something of actual life happens, which sometimes is ugly and dirty and raw and it hurts and it has pain. And yet we never gave people the full counsel of Scripture. And they do exactly what I did. Where are, where are you? What have you? Why have you? Share the whole Bible, church. Don't be afraid. But again, I'm telling you, it was so encouraging to me when I heard that trials and suffering were a part of the equation. Go ahead and put that screen. Yeah, keep it up, up there. I just think about it. Like, Dan, just think about me being 21, 22. Dan, don't be surprised. We need this scripture, church. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. 
Again, the guys on TBN will tell you this will never happen, right? Not to knock on TBN, but are you kind of tired of that sermon that says a completely life than where you're living? Like, what are you even talking about? I'm in pain. I'm hurting. I'm suffering. And yet the Word of God, the very inspired words of the Holy Spirit say, and don't think it's strange, my son. Don't think it's strange, my daughter. In fact, you can even rejoice. Isn't that the sweetness of God's Word? In the deepest pain, He says, you know what? You could even rejoice. You could rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings so that you can also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. And if you're insulted for Jesus, I'll never forget when I'm in my, you know, all my evolution classes in college and they're like, anyone think that, you know, back then it was creationism uh, or intelligent design is kind of the thing now. But he's like, now, does anyone actually think that creationism should be taught alongside evolution? Stand up. The only one in the whole class. Uh, You know, you know, just totally ridiculed, made fun of. In front of that whole class, I had to give my defense of why that theory should be given. I don't have time to give it. It was pretty good, um, actually. (laughs) But if you're insulted because of Jesus, well, hey, guess what? You're blessed. You're blessed. Because that means the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God Himself, is on you. Amen? Amen. When you read those kinds of promises, it doesn't make you want to leave God. No, it makes you want to stay steadfast and patient. But then I want to keep reading. Peter says, in the very next verse, Peter says, but <laughs> I love this. Oh, the Bible's so good. He goes, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. So don't suffer for being dumb, right? <laughs> Isn't that a great scripture? Right? Don't suffer just because you're doing something kind of dumb. And I love the last one, a meddler. I, I looked up meddler. Um, not bet meddler, but, um, <laughs> but I, I looked up. It says, one who interferes in or busies oneself unduly with something that is not one's concern. <laughs> Meddling into another person's business, right? I was just thinking about this week. Like, if you're suffering because you're a meddler, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, let's be honest. You are getting what you had coming. <laughs> but the next verse. If anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. There's no shame in suffering as a Christian. I want you to hear that today. If that's where you are today, there's no shame in suffering as a Christian. You can rejoice. You can remember that you are blessed. You've got the spirit of glory, the spirit of the Holy Spirit resting on you. You can remain steadfast. You can be patient. You do not have to bail on God. You do not have to abandon the faith like so many people do. But no, you can rise up in faith. You can be like the Thessalonians who endured in the faith where they became the boast of all the churches of God. Can you imagine again Paul going city to city? Have you heard of the Thessalonians? Have you heard of their faith? Have you heard of their growing love? Have you heard of their patient endurance, their steadfastness? Have you heard about my brothers and sisters in Thessalonica? Church, could we get some goosebumps today? How amazing and awesome it would be if that could be said of us. Have you heard of the believers in Edgewood? Have you heard of the believers at LifeSpring? Have you heard of the increasing faith? Pastor Dan and all of them, they're not the same as they were. I mean, I went like a year ago and then I took off a year and I came back and I was like, Whoa! What happened? Can you imagine, church, 
if that was said of us, increasing in faith, growing in love, steadfast in the Lord. Woo, that, that gives me... Glory to you, God, if that could be said of this body of Christ. Close the day, and I already missed it. I just want to say it again. If you are suffering today, if you are going through a trial or a hardship, I want to end it. Maturity that comes in, in growing in Christ. And it's true. The Bible says infants in Christ. You remember that? Comes out on the other side of the fire. Something purer than gold and silver. You are refined by the fire. And I just want to encourage you. Same book, First Peter. This is what Peter says, and I hope this encourages you today, if that's where you are, because I know some of you are really hurting today. He says this, he goes, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and he will establish you. So church, stand firm. Hold fast. Keep your faith in God. And He will restore. He will confirm. He will strengthen. And He will establish you. Let us encourage one another. Let us be specific in our encouragement of one another. But also, let's wake up. Let's live lives that are growing in faith. Live lives that are increasing in love. Live lives that are steadfast, knowing that God is faithful to see us through till the end. And Kira, I wanted you to know, as we were praying for you, that I felt like the Lord said you can get excited about this next season. That as good as this last season was and how wonderful Kids Church was and amazing as it was, that this next season is going to be even better. I felt that he said that so clearly, that you can actually be excited about what's next. So Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you that you are speaking your words over your people. We thank you that your word and your spirit is transforming us. Lord, that we are not the same. I thank you, Lord. I I thank you for this powerful, powerful word that challenges us to encourage one another. That some of us, it's as if somebody sewed our mouths shut and we need your spirit to break our mouths open that we would once again speak forth the good things of God to our brothers and our sisters. That we would encourage one another in specific ways, in holy ways, in good ways, in ways that would make us sore, that would make our spirits sore, that would make us feel like a million bucks, that would cause us to go into a Thursday night lecture just feeling like you could wrestle a lion. Lord, I just pray those words over your people and that we would be faithful, bold enough, and loving enough to open up our mouths and speak that encouragement to one another. I also pray, Lord, that we would be open and willing to your move in our lives that you would move in such a way that people would see a faith and a love and a steadfastness in us, that we would walk and talk in such a way that truly the world around us would begin to see Christ in us. So, Lord, we know that if we're growing, it means we're walking with you. 
And so teach us how to walk with you. We believe that your Holy Spirit is able to help us in our time of need. So help us and teach us how to walk with you. We do not want to stay the same. We do not want to stay the same. We do not want to stay the same. And we believe by the power of your Holy Spirit, we will be changed into the image of your Son. Lord, for those that are suffering today, I know there's some heavy hearts in this place. Even now, Lord, as we're preaching, there's people that are just completely broken because the life circumstances have been so unfair to them. Would you remind them right now that this is a season and it will not destroy them. That nothing could separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. No hardship, no trial, not even death itself. Satan is a, truly a defeated foe. Jesus Christ, speak your love and your encouragement over those that are hurting today. And I, I just want to read this again. And I, I hope that for some of us, it would just fall on a soil that could just grab this seed, grab this truth and never let it go. Because the Bible says this, that He, He Himself, your Savior Himself, your Creator Himself, will come in and He will restore you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen you. And He will establish you. Lord, let that be done in every one of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with us, church? Let's sing to the Lord.